millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello! And welcome to the AEW Dynamite preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2. Oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week completes with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I missed it. I had to read a message. Right. I'm really good. Do the intro again. <laughs> Formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Anyway, as I said, they're joined by Michael Sidgwick uh, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite and all the fallout from Blood and Guts. But... Before we get into tonight's show, I got an email from David Esposito, regular contributor. Thank you, as always, David, for this. He went to Blood and Guts. I'll just read you his email. He writes, Hello to Adam and the Dadleys. Last week's trip to Blood and Guts and AW Dynamite in Boston was a wicked, wicked pisser. pisser. Uh, I wanted to pass along a couple of production-related notes from the show because I know I think that a lot of Sidge's criticisms of the production are warranted. Uh, as someone who tuned out of weekly WWE shows due to the hairdryer crowd noise sound effect and the constant constant camera cuts, I hope the Dadleys realize that the production elements are not a pedantic thing to harp on at all because they definitely affect the show. And he's got a series of notes, so here goes. Number one. The audio issues are as bad in the arena as they are on television. It was difficult to hear anything pre-taped or any of the interviews being conducted backstage. For the MJF and Adam Cole restaurant bits, the live audience could hear about every third or fourth word. No one caught word of what bit? The restaurant. Yeah, yeah, the, the... They, were, they tried to double close on a waiter. Uh, no one caught a word of the backstage interaction with best friend Jorinx Cassidy and Darby Allen. Great. <laughs> Uh, at one point in the match, Wheeler and Matt Jackson were brawling in the entranceway. This visibly confused Bryce Remsburg, who tried to restrain Matt initially from leaving the cage, saying that if he left, his team would lose. <laughs> Matt shouted that the match couldn't start until all members of the match were in the ring and pushed past Bryce to go after... Uh, Utah. Maybe that was scripted, but the body language and tone seemed to indicate that Matt Jackson was legitimately annoyed. This would come up again at the finish. Ooh, does he tell you? I don't know. We'll get into it. Yes, actually, that's point four. Point three. 
Ibushi's entrance was strange because once he got in the ring, Rick Knox gestured to the ringside area to ring the bell. The ring bellkeeper looked confused and so did Justin Roberts. Roberts went so far as to hold the wrist of the ring bell worker to stop her from chiming it. She kept asking him, so should I ring it or not? Roberts then spoke into his earpiece for a few seconds before telling her that she should not ring the bell. This <laughs> prompted Bryce Remsburg to come over and ask Justin Roberts, was the match started then? <laughs> Justin Roberts shrugged, Remsburg shrugged, and the match continued. Surely the match beyond happens when the last man enters. Yeah, but Kota Ibushi, being the fifth member of the babyface team who were at the disadvantage, was the last man in the match. Maybe did they ring the bell at the start of like, this is blood and guts. I don't know. Yeah, because normally they don't, they, you have your entrances, then you ding you ding. tap out if you want when there's nine people in there. It doesn't matter. The finish, the final point here from... Uh, it's the from third the... time they've done it. <laughs> finish confused everyone in our section. We all thought that the minute Pack left the cage, we talked about this, the BCC had lost and the match was over. Then Takeshita left without much fanfare or action, and we were like, surely that's the end, and the BCC have surrendered. Nothing was announced in the arena about the rules of the match, which team had the advantage and how they got it, and the finish left everyone in our section scratching their heads. Little things like that are the details that many of us hardcore fans expect a big promotion like AEW to get right, and the fact that small issues like this continue to nag them is indicative of the promotion as a whole. When the biggest stars in the game are on display in an attention-grabbing, stipped-up match, then who cares if a few details get overlooked along the way? Anyway, just wanted to pass that along. Overall, the show is very good, and my son and I had a fantastic time. Thanks so much again for all the content and smiles. Cheers to you all, David Esposito. First of all, David, thank you so much thank for you. Yeah, that yeah. to us. That was really nice um, and informative. Thoughts on thoughts on the, sh the shambles that was blood and guts. Then apparently, it didn't feel that shambolic. No, watching at home, apart from the pack leaving and Takeshita leaving. Yeah, stuff. like I inferred that the heels won a coin toss earlier in the day. Yeah, even, they might have even they said mentioned it on, on commentary, commentary. I think, but yeah, yeah, obviously the arena people. They would not have known that. Um, I would have been happy either way. Just, I was just a relief that they decide not to put a triangular wheel on the car. Mm. Um, no, they're not. Paparage, that's why. Exactly, they're um, competent <laughs> at most things. Um, I can imagine that the last five minutes were confusing because while I wasn't particularly confused, it didn't seem to me like there'd been a finish. They just hadn't uh, announced it in the arena. For me, again, like, he just does too much often. Mm. I When he does it at its best, I, of course, call it deft dovetailing booking, mm -hmm. where he's very uh, resourceful and can accomplish a lot of things at once, but he gets a bit overambitious with that particular approach, and I don't necessarily think that using the climactic finish to Blood and Guts to build your main event for ROH Death Before Dishonor mm. is a particularly um, smart idea, particularly when in doing so, as a lot of people pointed out and had a good faith problem with, the setting up the death before Dishonor main event opened up a plot hole that you had to sort of clamber out of. Yeah. Like, the pack surrendered. He gave up. Yeah, so use another example. Dakota Not Kai the, yeah. just didn't get involved in war games. She just kicked a crap out of thing and yeah. stormed off. It's a different kind of surrender. He didn't say, I've had enough. I'm in too much pain. This intense war has mm -hmm. made me bottle it sort of thing. He's abandoned his team. So he hasn't technically surrendered but what's the difference? Mm. What's the motive? If there's different motivation, same result. 
Yeah, I think whenever, needs. whenever I see, I hate this as well, whenever I see football fans leaving a stadium early, I've no defence for that in my opinion. I've done it a couple of times. Yeah, that, that makes sense considering the recent years of Newcastle. But um, uh, Newcastle, nil, Leicester three under Steve McLaren. <laughs> it was like we're three nil down in 70 minutes. And I just thought, I would like a beer <laughs> that isn't ridiculously watered down and overpriced Fair. and I've seen enough. Yeah, and obviously we can't drink it in our seats here in the UK watching uh, sport or specifically Sports. football. I think everyone else is allowed to. They just don't trust the... Have I had a pint of the cricket? I've only been once and I can't oh, remember. I Great. And I, I've, I've, had, I've had a pint in Wembley, in fact, uh, watching football. Uh, not football. American football. It was the Detroit Lions versus the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, that match was Atlanta going. Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> it's a good match. Yeah. Uh, Went right, right down to the wire. They tried to ice the kicker, if I remember rightly. It's great. What does that mean? I don't remember. I was wasted. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, fallout from Blood and Guts tonight. Uh, we've got a match to talk about, but what do you think on the other side? Yes, th- On the other side of things, in terms of the winners of the match, what's next for the Golden Elite? Well, they've, again, when I was talking earlier about Tony Khan trying to accomplish too many things in one segment um, or one program... Um, we saw a bit of that when it was basically confirmed that they're going to do a proper feud again between either the Hung Bucks and the Elite or just the Hung Bucks against the Dark Order. Mm. Um, what do you want to see him doing it all in? Well, the Hung Bucks or any of them. Obviously work it. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Um, I don't want to watch a match with the Elite or any sort of subgroup of the elite against the Dark Order. That's for damn sure. That's so beneath Wembley Stadium. It's so beneath the elite. It's something that I don't think anyone wants to see. Um, Well, obviously, they're massively incurable elite nerds, of which I used to be one (laughs) before it all peaked, in my opinion, this year. Um, I just want them to remain together, have a few months off the drama and the internal strife, each pursue a different individual storyline. Like the Bucks can just be a tag team again. I think it's almost crucial to their careers at this point that they stop doing stable slash trio stuff and remind people, like, we are one of the best tag teams, if not the best tag team of all time, because I think their rep, this is an incidental conversation, but their rep has taken a big hit since um, January 4th, 2023, was the big sort of shift in the perception of the young books mm-hmm. and sort of online circles. And of course, on that day, Kenny, Ame- uh, Kenny, Omega, <laughs> Kenny Omega beat Will Ospreay at the Dome and it was absolutely out of this world, yeah. incredible. And a lot of people realized, hang on, we want to see that version of Kenny Omega and mm-hmm. in AEW and the young books are holding him back. That's not the reality. The reality is that A, Tony Khan books this promotion you can't just selectively say that other people do when it's something you like or don't like. It's Tony Khan's final say. It's been this way since January 2020. And there are, obviously, um, it's a different relationship between Khan and his roster as compared to Triple H and his, with the exception of Heyman and Roman, in that the wrestlers do get some say. Mm-hmm. They will pitch things. They will refuse to do things, which happens more in AEW um, than in WWE in terms of programs and jobs and all the rest of it. So there is an element of Kenny saying, one, I want to work with the books. Two, I need to do detours with the books. 
because I need to preserve my body. I cannot be working those singles matches the entire time. Um, but nonetheless, the Young Bucks are perceived to be a group of guys who are holding Kenny Omega back from being the best version of himself. And this is complicated by the fact that that long hiatus that Kenny Omega went on between uh, November 2021 and August 2022, um, I've noticed a shift in the perception of Omega as well, and it's happened in the opposite extremes between the Bucks and Omega. People missed Omega, and his return gave them perspective of, we don't have much of this guy left. And I've noticed a lot of people who were not the biggest Omega fans. He's a divisive performer. I think he's the best, but I also understand Mm -hmm. why he polarizes people. Um, And I think a lot of people have realized, actually, no, he's great. We missed him a great deal. I kind of want to just see him on his own. And at the exact same time, people had this epiphany. Like There's people I follow on Twitter who used to take the piss out of him for various in-ring works of all realized, hang on, now he's absolutely fantastic. And at the exact same time, the books mm. have sort of drifted away from that sort of mega acclaim in sort of snob circles. Um, so I want the books to do FTR at Wembley. But my worry is that they've reignited this feud with the Dark Order, which no one could possibly give a toss about in 2023 outside the most massively engaged elite fans. Um, And they wore Dark Order colors in Blood and Guts, which suggests that this thing is far from over. Hung Bucks versus Dark Order, even if you do some kind of crazy stipulation match at Wembley in a trios match, I still don't think that's what I would want to see the Young Bucks do, much less Hangman Page, who, quite frankly, is... You know, he's meant to be the main character of this promotion. Some of that's a meme. Some of that's very true if you look at the first two years. So that's my concern. But I'm a very cynical guy. Maybe they've got something way better up their sleeves, and this is just a TV-sized um, diversion before they get to some big stuff um, for, for the all-in, all-out doubleheader. Um, as for Omega, I would love to see Omega Takeshita in yeah. Wembley. But that's me. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the match a lot of people have got. I think the people who want that match don't think it's Wembley-sized. Like A lot of people want to see it because it's going to be incredible when it happens. I don't think even I, who would love it at Wembley, can concede that. If that was announced, people would be a little bit underwhelmed, and I could see their perspective as well. But clearly, they're building towards it. Um, Takeshita needs to be built like a monster now if they're going to do that, and he's not even announced for this card. Um, so I don't really know um, what's going to happen. I want to see FTR versus the Young Bucks, which is an apparent possibility. Apparently, the only animosity that exists is between the Bucks and Punk. I think even Omega would work Punk at this point. I really do. You can't do those things together or at the same time. I don't think you could do one of them without people naturally expecting Right, they're going to do the trios match, and we're going to see Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson in the same ring as CM Punk. They're doing those two things, which they're not going to do. <laughs> so I don't envy them, but I do want them to get a move on and mm. do something really cool. I'm hoping what they do tonight is, uh, like you say, the Dark Order thing. I, I can understand where they're coming from in terms of they've got unfinished business. Dark Order beat it's, them. It's unfinished business that I don't care if it gets finished. I <laughs> yeah. hate when people say, well, it makes sense for it to happen. It's like, I something making sense and... 
like having continuity to it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing for a wrestler to do in that given Yeah, I love completing my to-do list, but I wouldn't necessarily put it on network television. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, what I hope tonight, actually, with that in mind, is that the Young Bucks come out and say, right, now we've bloody dealt with those bellends. We're, yeah, we're getting back on track. We want titles. We want those tag titles. We want to face FTR at All In. Right, call your shot, which also will be a nice way of hiding in plain sight the fact that <laughs> me and Andy were talking about this on the news today. Adam Cole and MJF win the tag titles on Collision on Saturday. I'd love that. You say that and people go, oh, okay, well, obviously they're going to do the split and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and the FTR, FTR will continue on to, to all in. Whereas what actually happens on Saturday is Adam Cole and MJF are a better team than one of the best tag teams ever um, and win the tag titles. And you end up getting the Young Bucks versus MJF and Adam Cole uh, at uh, all in. Potentially you could do the the FTR books, like the week after it all out, like FTR says, we we want we want next out of who wins that, and that's how you get to books FTR. Bit of a shame because obviously that wouldn't be happening at Wembley. I'm not going anyway, so I'm not bothered. Um, and Omega could be like, and I want to win back my world title. That prick who's the world champion, despite the fact he was not the best world champion in terms of being bell end Kenny Omega in the latter stages. Anyway, um, I want to face MJF. Down the road, which again hides in, hides the fact that you're switching the tag titles, and that's what MJF will be doing at the the big London show. And you do a bit of the the Hangman Page storyline that we loved all those years ago. Omega's like, I'm going to go after uh, go after MJF, win back the world title, blah blah blah, and then he loses to to Keshta, either on TV or maybe even like you say at at All In, and he's like, oh bollocks, I know the rankings aren't a thing anymore, but we can. We'll sort these sort yeah, of things yeah. into an existence. We're going to hear, actually, from NGF and Adam Cole tonight. Maybe we'll get an appearance from Grumpy Roderick Strong. <laughs> um, but I assume that's just hyping up Saturday. Yeah, I hope this is kept simple um, and that they just basically cut a promo in which they'll convince me they're going to win. And happily, they are, of course, more than equipped to do precisely that. I don't want to see or hear from Roderick Strong because wrestling has this incredible habit, this really awful habit of just telegraphing the hell mm. out of what they're going to do next. And if we get Roderick Strong at his most grumpy, he's still got the neck brace, and he comes out to interrupt the promo and says, Adam, are you sure that you should be teaming with MJF? He's going to low blow you or hit the diamond ring on you. And Adam Cole says, Roderick, you've got nothing to worry about. Um, and then Roderick Strong says something. Look, if someone's going to have to beat some sense into you, I don't mind doing it. Basically, I've got a suspicion that Roddy Strong's going to play a part in the finish mm -hmm. at Collision. I don't mind that on its own terms. Don't make it obvious. Mm, I, I get, like, you know, annoyed by scenarios I've invented in my head. I'm the same. I get annoyed by my own fantasy it's like, book. It's like when we fantasy book stuff and it doesn't happen, and we're like, well, that's not as good as we imagined yeah, in yeah, the yeah, podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm really scared you're going to do the thing I've just made up in my head. Don't do that, idiots. <laughs> do you think uh, FTR will interrupt Colin and MJF again? Not again, but they came out, obviously, after the, they won the tournament. Whether worked or otherwise, that interaction between Dax and MJF, and I'll repeat this on the collision preview, I'm sorry, it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Like the headbutt slash forehead smear. 
in MGF's like look afterwards as if to say, that's on national television and you're trying to punk me out. I'm really fucking annoyed. That's he. Yeah. They made me feel like they hate each other in that moment. Maybe it's because they do. If you listen to Dax's podcast, it was certainly talked around. He didn't outright say, I hate MJF. I think he's a dick. But he spoke around that and talked around the fact that the issues of the pinnacle were basically MJF's fault. Obviously, no one knows for sure what went on there. But I, I wouldn't mind. One, I think it's good practice anyway. If you're going to build collision, which has not been the rating success some forecasted, then I think it's doing well for its time slot. And if, if it's winning the night on its time slot, what else can you do? Yeah. But, and you know, it's a bad night for TV. So it probably is doing well. Um, either way, it can do better. So let's try and do something here. I think MJF's going to say something along the lines of, a, a bit of a neg Adam Cole. Like, I'm going to help Adam Cole finally win the big one in this promotion. Because he's, he's struggled before. Maybe he's just not strong enough or whatever you want to yeah. do there. But then also, that's so what partners do. We could hide it in plain yeah. sight. That's what partners do. When someone's feeling small and weak, we pick them up. Yes. Kind of thing. And then also say, I'm taking Adam Cole to the pinnacle of AEW and make sure he actually stays there, unlike others. Yeah. Something like that. I Something like that. Look, I told you, I want to know. I want a, I want a transcript of every conversation between Triple H and Vince McMahon. <laughs> I then want details of who leaked. The um, NDAs. How did the board become aware of that? Right. I want to know why Stephanie McMahon left WWE twice in as many years, the second time occurring when Vince came back and she just mm -hmm. noped it. And when she came, uh, it's what's gone on there. It's a bit, I a bit... can connect some dots here, but I want to know for damn sure. It wrapped into that, I was going to mention, because we might forget it. My wife at the time. Yes. Want to know oh, I know that, though. Yeah, but I want to know, the, I wanna know the, the timeline of all that. Yeah, when they decided to just banter her off. Um, I want to know as well if CM Punk had anything to do with Colt Cabana's vanishing, not merely from TV, because if people pointed out he was a, he was a sporadic um, presence well before CM Punk entered that organization, but he was a backstage producer, goddammit, and he went to film scenes for Young Rock, and when he came back, he was not producing that show anymore, and Ace Deal was. It's one of those where it's like, if I'm, it's just, if I'm an AEW roster member, one, some people have heard outright and are adamant it was punk. Two, even if I hadn't heard that, if you apply Occam's Razor to that situation, what other conclusions are you going to draw? That's fourth in the list of things I'm just desperate to know about. <laughs> Fifth is what actually went on with the pinnacle. Dax has said his side, but again, he didn't really talk mm. too much about it. He talked very much around it. Um, because in as it unfolded in real time, I think everyone was like, why aren't the pinnacle like a thing? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. They're barely on screen together. They went through all the trouble of like months and months and months of this MGF. Is he going to join the inner circle or is he using them for a purpose? It was revealed, yes, he was using them for a purpose. And then the pinnacle form. And then they have blood and guts. And then I'm sure they did a beat down on Darby Allen in masks. 
And then they all, I think, took part in the hanging of CM Punk before Revolution. And that was weird because it was like, all right, still a thing. Mm. What happened there? Mm. And I want MGF to, in character, with a loose interpretation of the truth, whatever, I don't have to know it's true. I want him to touch upon what happened. Mm, I agree. And whose fault he thinks it is. In terms of matches tonight, Moxley and Claudio versus the Lucha Brothers versus Best Friends in a three-way, uh, possibly them showing what the BCC can do without the weak link that is Wheeler Utah. What do you think? Say all that one more time. Mox Sorry. and Claudio, the BCC, Lucha Bros, and Best Friends three-way. Who do you Well, if anything, Mox is the weak link I in storyline. I suppose, yeah. He's the I hardest think. one. He's the champion. He's the biggest star. He's the most winningest. But in terms of what the BCC stand for, um, and all the rest of it, he was the one who showed too much compassion. Mm. Like the whole idea was originally, and I love this as well, that Wheeler Utah had to go through hell just to become a member. He was prepared to go through hell. He was prepared to just get choked out unconscious because you don't give up, and you don't surrender. And it was Moxley who showed the compassion that this version of the BCC would deem a weakness. So they're not long for this world. And I love how that's such a nice way for Mox to turn babyface. It's like, ah, oh, come on, he's getting choked to death. Like, <laughs> what, what are we doing yeah. here? We're not that hard. Come on. Um, we're not that stupid and thuggy. Um, so I really liked the concept behind that finish um, and how they're going to explore that going forward. And I never really wanted to boo Moxley anyway. No. And it's weird. They never went full on with the heel turn either. He did some ostensibly despicable things, like with a <laughs> screwdriver and the arm around callus, but I never had the heart to boom. I just don't think anyone's steamboat in the 21st century, it's Mox in AEW or Hangman Page in AEW. Cassidy in AEW. AEW can create great baby faces yeah. as an aside. Um, I don't, this match is fine, but oh, what are best friends doing here? I might as well fill in for Hamlet when he's off being a part-timer. Yeah, they justified it on the control center by best friends reiterating, you took Wheelie Uter away from us, but I feel like oh, they've lent on that Christ. a bit too many times. I, uh, right. So, death before Dishonor in the post-match of the ROH World title match. What a terrible TV finish for a pay-per-view match, no less. Body of the match was tremendous. Go and watch it uh, between Pac and Claudio. Wheelie Uter, just a distraction. They kick Wheelie Uter and Claudio, kick and pack. This summons um, the Lucha Bros because of the death triangle. They're back. They never went away. Pac's just been injured. And then the best friends have come out. What? <laughs> so it just feels busy. It just feels busy. I don't know if there's a deeper purpose, and that'll get hinted at tonight. Or in typical Tony Khan style, he's got BCC versus Death Triangle lined up for all out and all, all, all in. And he wants... Um, the best friends in there for now so that it, you don't get the full thing yet. It's yeah, a so diversionary... Someone's going to get pinned. It's, yeah, it's a diversionary tactic. It's exactly well born. Someone gets pinned so that uh, you don't know who's going to get pinned out of the other two lads. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, yeah, busy diversion. Match should be fun. Of course, it's going to be really fun when you've got these six involved. But a BCC win. Feel like they need it after last week. No, I think they're gonna split. Oh, you see, they just it's, this is a spiral now. Yeah, they're gonna have a match as a unit, unless it's Mox versus Eddie. Ooh, 
I, yeah, now you convince me now, and you've completely I'm flip-flopping all over the place here. Moxie and Gladio are not necessarily in control, but they're, they're handling themselves, because look at them. And then Yuta comes out to do another distraction, and then Pat comes out and starts kicking the crap out of him, and maybe Moxley gets distracted because of his compassion, and that allows the Death Triangle to get a win over either. Either, sorry, Trent or Chuck, one of you two's getting pinned tonight. Yeah, it doesn't really matter who. <laughs> Probably Chuck. Yeah. Um, it's very busy. It is. Very flabby AEW at the minute, and this is the point where I want to trim all that fat, lean everything up, and get me excited about the actual meat of what's happening at All Out and All In. Mm. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Will Jericho join the Don Callis family tonight? I'm just going to keep asking this each week until it happens. Probably. Um, it's more than likely that he joins. Um, they're not doing this, surely, for him to not join. Hey, he sacrificed Jake Hager's hat, Michael Sidgwick. Yeah. And also uh, the f- Sammy and Daniel Garcia. Yeah, because the family, which is yet to be fully formed, clearly exists to work the elite at some point, um, part of which you'll get Omega Takeshita at some point. Um, hopefully, the Dark Order don't join. Imagine, like... 
Callus Jericho Takeshita in the remnants of the Dark Order. That's not it no. at all. Um, so surely Jericho's going to join, and you're not going to do heal Callus family versus Jericho Appreciation Society at the same time as the Elite. But that doesn't sound unlike <laughs> a thing Tony Khan would do. I'm getting impatient a little bit with this very spiderweb approach. Mm. That just isn't as good as it was in 2021. No. You could apply that take to a lot of AW stuff of late. Um, I give, give, give us an idea because I'm probably not the best um, person to book for because I get anxious anxious about everything. But I've read online that people kind of just want to know what they're expecting it all out yeah. and all in. And quite frankly, you want to get a marquee match on there because it's already an absolutely incredible, resounding success. Mm -hmm. uh, to an unbelievable extent, with the tickets sold, why not just get as many tickets sold as possible, set your matches in stone, build them up with great angles and promos so you can get the match graphical sell tickets, and then if the build is so strong, more people will mm. come. Like, who can build this card? Yeah, right now, Kenny Omega's just coming out and farting in a microphone in the in middle of Wembley. That's all that's all you could book. Aye. Well, you've booked your ticket. Too late. Still, it'll, it'll still be a better match than most of the roster, to be fair. <laughs> Five-star farts. Uh, he's the best. Um, one thing Tony Khan is getting right and has been getting right for a long time uh, is Orange Cassidy. I was going to say, I thought you were going to segue into the women's division there. So I haven't thought about that yet. Oh, yeah. What? International champion at Orange Cassidy. I think I asked Andy earlier, and he said something like 27, 28 defences. The streak continues. I sense it will also continue tonight. Yeah, it's going but, to. But I am looking forward to the match because I'm a... AEW's introduced me to him. For my sins, I didn't know a great deal about him until I saw him on here. But I love AR Fox. Yeah, AR Fox rules. Um, perfect guy to rotate in and out of um, the main cast. It can give you a pretty great match every single time. And this will probably be a backdrop to an angle of sorts um, in 12 minutes of what I expect to be, like, really good action. Um, don't know what the ceiling is on this, but what I like about this matchmaking, and, you know, I can say that Tony Khan does too much, and he can get a little bit um, fretboard wankery with his, <laughs> you know, like, he can get a bit Steve Vai with his booking when sometimes yeah. he just want a nice three-chord structure, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's really great at matchmaking. That's been a constant throughout his um, AEW tenure. And AR Fox has got this incredible knack of like outwitting and deceiving his opponents with his like sort of um, distinctive attack patterns, much like Cassidy. So yeah. this could be a pretty cool game of aerial and technical chess with some really cool moments spiked in. So I'm looking forward to this match. I don't necessarily think this is going to get a particularly great, great rating or anything like that. Tell you one thing. Did you listen to Observer Radio on uh, Saturday slash Sunday? I didn't. When they did the collision. Jesus Christ, if you think I'm hard on collision, listen to Dave. Really? F***ing hell. <laughs> He's very, he was like, yeah, yeah, the crowd didn't care. This match is only good. What are they doing this for? Why are they doing this? What's CM Punk doing? Why did this go 25 minutes? It's just going on and on and on. Like, Jesus Christ, he's there. Uh, I don't think he's biased. I know that's people might find that take ridiculous. I don't think he is. He's got this weird tone with punk. And if you listen to that episode with in mind the idea that you don't think Dave is particularly fair to punk, 
You wouldn't have your mind changed, put it that way. <laughs> so you know how Punk is like... I love how Dave's enthusiastic about wrestling, despite how much he's watched. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I get bored of it half the time. And being on X or the wrestling yes. internet, basically. And he's still like, whenever he talks about a match that he's just seen on TV, go, man, that was freaking great. Let me just get my notes. What's, what have I written down on my notes? That was freaking great. That match was incredible. I liked it when, always like it when Alvarez is like, Dave, just talk about the match, mate. No one cares about the time it went. Yeah. But whenever, I don't think, the only time, and bear in mind how mint it's been, I think the only time other than the first stance that I've heard him audibly do figurative cartwheels mm-hmm. over a punk match was when he was talking about the Kingston match. Yeah. He was like, that was freaking great, freaking great. <laughs> All the other times he's talked about the MJF match. Really? It, the first one in Chicago was like, yeah, they just want to do a Ric Flair match on television. It was good. It was, it, was re- it was very good. And then he gives it like four and a quarter. And then he was talking about the revolution dog collar. Like, I thought it was exactly what it needed to be. And like there's loads of other matches. Like, yeah, it was good. It was good. Really good. Like in that tone. Mm. Um, but when he was on Observer Radio on Saturday slash Sunday, um, he was talking about this um, episode of Dynamite use a Tony Schiavoneism emanates from Albany, New York, and yeah. he made the point that the last time they were there, they just were a WWE crowd, much like, you know, the Jersey crowd was a bit WWE yeah. in terms of their the complexion, in terms of the, the, the atmosphere. Um, so you did remind listeners that the last time they went to Albany, it was very much, oh, the finishes are happening, let's chant, this is awesome. So there are at least two matches tonight, this being one of them, where... I think they'll do a lot of really cool work and not necessarily get the reward of a great atmosphere. Mm. I oh, I don't know which one you're t- referencing here, but I'm going to talk about now. Darby Allen and Swerve Strickland. That'll get a reaction. That will get a reaction. It's That's the thing. It feels like a receipt a card for a WWE crowd. Yeah. We uh, we haven't really had a chance to praise the brilliant ending to Royal Rampage. Uh, if, if that prophecy comes true... That's a pretty nice uh, snappy assessment, so I'm going to tweet that Absolutely. in the morning. Um, <laughs> Guys, we see the show. Shame about the WWE crowd. I've got two references in there. Uh, yeah, so uh, Darby Allen last eliminated Swerve Strickland. Brilliant spot in, in Royal Rampage. Um, obviously, he's now going after whoever TNT champion is. Uh, <laughs> I want them to do Christian at Wembley. I got high as hell on that. Darby Allen Christian stuff and oh. collision. I, if I was making a character on Fight Forever, I'd 100% put him in the turtleneck. The, yes. the sleeves up, because sleeve yeah. cut off turtleneck. If the idea is Christian Cage has got this weird claim to the title, even though Luchasaurus has won it, I, it's a very wrestling thing, this, and I don't like how the ranking system and fixtures has been abandoned for it. But look, if they're going to go this way, Christian Cage could say, well, if you want the TNT championship, we're the champion. You have to go through both of us. And then they could do Derby versus Christian Cage at Wembley and then Derby versus Luchasaurus in Chicago. Hey, I always love a Derby at Wembley. <laughs> oh, f*** off, man. <laughs> um, that's one neat way of navigating the fact that they've got two major shows in succession. The fact that they've got, weirdly, two TNT champions. Yeah. Anyway, Derby versus Swerve. I don't know what else to say. They've got awesome chemistry. They've had two AWTV matches. I remember they had one on Rampage very early in Swerve's run, and I was thinking they haven't even... They've just met the expectation. 
yeah. of what they can do. They've only begun to explore what I know they can do in the ring. There was one absolutely bitching move in the corner. Oh, I can't even remember what it was. I think it was like a leg grape vine from, you know, when Darby does that kicking out of the corner when mm. it, from a charge and Swerve scouted it and did a leg grape vine. That was absolutely tasty. They had a match on Dynamite as well. April. They did a Darby Tuck or Swerve Stuck took a avalanche revert, uh, avalanche poison rana from the apron to the floor, and they'll remember that. They'll have, they'll know they have fans who remember that, and they know they'll have fans who want to see them one up that. So this could be insane. I mean, it's a Darby Allen match. It's probably going to be insane. Mm-hmm. But if you remember the spot that they did in the April match. Then and knowing that they of all wrestlers will want one up it because Darby's like um, just incredibly overtly an insane wrestler and Swerve Strickland never really gets credit for being as like risk taking as he yeah, is yeah. in his work. So I this should be terrifying. This yeah, this is their third match, singles yeah, it's match. Be absolutely terrifying. This um, so we've just beat Darby. So do you beat Swerve, who's just beat Nick Wayne? Do you set up the but Keith Lee thing for All In slash All Out? With the interactions with Darby and Keith as part of the, the tournament, the tag tournament thing? You could, and you probably should. <laughs> get, please. Get on with it. <laughs> it's It's been 84 years. years. I don't know why, both did the Robert Stone. It's been 84 it's years, Vaughn. Come on, Keith. It's been 84 goddamn years. <laughs> why don't you just f***ing move on the life raft, Rose? For f***'s sake, he doesn't have to die. Over. If you don't know what these uh, stupid voices are, make sure, wherever you get your podcasts from, to listen to the NXT preview and review for yeah. some Robert Stone action. <laughs> You're not an action. You're my manager. We also do Von Wagner, oh Wagner explains yeah. it all and takes Easy, things yeah. literally. It's a great podcast. It is. It's right up there. Atletico Mins. What's the true crime podcast? Oh, yeah. Cereal with Sarah, with Sarah Koenig. Cereal with Sarah Koenig. Uh, what's one I've just said? Uh, Atletico Mins. Atletico Mins. The NXT preview. Yes. Right up there with the best, the most famous ones. Um, we are the ones. We are the ones. In the UK charts. Britt Baker, Ty Valkyrie, first time ever tonight, Sige. <laughs> um, I don't think this will be good. I do not think this will be a good match. Baker's over, not as over as she was. No. You remember, like, what the frig are they doing with Britt Baker? Uh, you know what's funny? Or more to the point, not funny. Uh, Britt Baker anymore? Mm. You know what pisses me off, right? is that AEW used to have this incredible knack of, you know, being deft. Mm-hmm. It's being incredibly deft. MGF still got it. What happened to Dr. Britt Baker and Hangman Page being, like, really funny, mm. in addition to just being absolutely class and stars? Like, something's gone amiss with the booking. It's been my... Um, quest to really nail down what that is because I think a lot of people have realized something's missing. I don't think it's necessarily something. The vibe is kind of missing. Lots of little things have just fallen off. Well, I think the thing Rick is... Baker and Hangman Page used to like genuinely make me piss myself laughing at yeah. some of their stuff on these shows. I think the thing is, in Britt Baker's defense, uh, less so Hangman Page, but for very different reasons, um, they, they had 
hamstrung the women's division by the fact you only get one women's match a week. Just a, I was going to do a Jim Ross. I'm not doing Jim Ross. She, get well soon. She, but she used to maximise her minutes. Arguably was in two concurrent storylines at one point. We were all waiting for her to turn on Jamie Hayter, world champion. And we hope she gets back soon, obviously. Like within a month, hopefully. Yeah. But then also the outcasts. And you had that. But it was always just like, uh, no, it's... Uh, uh, Sky Blue versus Tony Storm this week, so no development for your storyline. Sorry. Yeah. It's like, really? Would you do that with the men's? Sorry. Um, MGF's doing um, uh, an interview this week, so no world title developments this week. Come on. Yeah. It's not right, that. Um, and it feels like they're just giving Britt Baker things to do, i.e. Taya Valkyrie calls her out on collision, and now we get this first-time-ever match. But, yeah, I... I you said this before, you were like, well, where's Ikara Shida, for example? Or what's going on with, you know, we set in, I know they didn't they, know what, they didn't do blood and guts, and they don't have to do something like that. It's too close, obviously, right now. But what's the plan? What's the blow-off for Outcast versus Homegrowns or whatever? Do, like, please, I really hope Hater is going to be ready for Wembley. You could do Hater versus Storm for the title at Wembley. Have the baby faces, have the baby face win and then do some kind of gimmicked trios with the outcasts versus um, Baker, Hater, and Willow Nightingale, because she doesn't care anymore. Yeah. Uh, Remember Sheeta? Statlander, I joy her in there as well. Not doing anything with her right There's now. There's only three outcasts, unless Tyre Valkyrie well, This is what I was about to ask, yeah. Maybe that's what plays into the result of tonight's match, because it feels she's, like... She's a fit. She fits yeah. in that group. She hasn't really fit anywhere yet, because she came in as a de facto face because Cargill was the heel, and they had this. both had this similar attitude, and it was a bit of a... Who was the most, you know, uber-confident, strong woman yes. deal? And then after that... She kind of played embittered, kind of babyface slash heel with Statlander, and then she was a babyface in Canada. And character, you just don't know. Someone said to me, because I put on our notes for Collision, like, Ty Valkyrie turns heel, and they were like, she turned heel weeks ago. I was like, yeah, not not, not in Canada she wasn't. She was back being babyface for a yeah. couple of weeks. So who the hell knows? But yeah, I think I said all along when she came in, outcasts, she can... This is good because you can, if you're a booker, you can always... Job someone if they're about to turn. Yeah. We talked about with McIntyre, it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. It's the best time because in the process, you can build the people up who they lose to, and then they kind of don't... The loss counts, and it, it has a gravity to it and a consequence to it because they can change their character direction because that's how much it's impacted them. Yeah. So it's always a useful tool. Don't do it too often, otherwise turns become meaningless. Um, but I always thought, right, she can, great. An actual marquee match for Jade. She can lose, turn heel, get annoyed, and then join the outcast because she fits in that group. Um, so I think better late than never for that. But I can't see this match being particularly good. I think Valkyrie wins because otherwise what we do, but with help from maybe from the outcast, whether or not they, she joins they them. They need to get Baker back where she was. Mm. Yeah, they were both like, well, because Taya said in a promo, she well, Brit won last. Uh, Brit won on Wednesday, and I've won tonight. And I was like, "Yeah, it's the first time for everything." Yeah, I know. I just, uh, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Poor division. We haven't got Hamlet here, so there's no official ladies' night. But unofficially, 
What do you reckon? Just even first hour or second hour? Are they um, just going to put this in the usual death slot? Because it's a first time ever match. It's a marquee thing. Yeah, and sort of, you have to stick around till one hour 40. You, know, you have to stick around for one hour 24, 18 for that. Yeah. You reckon that second hour then? There's no way there. Did I say no hours? <laughs> <laughs> right, finally, Sige, I'm slightly confused by one of the matches uh, that's been advertised for tonight's show because uh, we've got High Flyer in pack in action. Um, but he's taking on someone, or should I say something, that all high flyers have to go up against, and that's gravity. 28 days, is it? Until all out? Yeah. Uh, all out or all in? I keep, I'd never forget which one's first. I think all in's first. All, all in. It's about, it's about a month today, isn't it? The 27th of uh, August? So, yeah, so today's the... Th- it's about... Yeah, a month. A month. <laughs> Why have I spent a minute on that? Is tonight really the night, even if it's 10 minutes, to do a mean match? I don't it's know anything like, about gravity, to be perfectly honest. The wrestler, I mean. Um, truthfully, I got my first exposure to gravity. Um, the apple that was uh, the opener to Death Before Dishonor. Yes. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's not really a noteworthy match that I would wholeheartedly recommend that you must see. I watched it because it's a pay-per-view. We don't cover it, but I wanted to watch mm. it. And um, it was weird. It was very uneven. It's Bandito's brother. Um, very raw talent who can nonetheless do some really exciting things with a kind of a strange approach where he's gravity, so he kind of does the odd thing in slow motion. I think is a means of lulling his opponent into moves or, like, making them basically think, what are you doing? <laughs> but, like, kind of moving your arms slowly. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do, yeah, like, an overhead arm drag off the top rope. Um, so that's him. Um, it was uneven. Some of the stuff just did not come off. Some of it looked awesome. Um, obviously, that, the kind of stuff you'd expect from a very raw, talented prospect working a style that can very much go awry. We're going to get a very good... This feels like a rampage match. I was going to say, and I, I'm never going to sit here and say people shouldn't get jobs. I certainly wouldn't sit here and say so-and-so should get fired. Is there a danger that it's like, here's Gravity, and also previously, here's Commander, and here's Vikingo? Is that, like, a, I guess, a concern of yours? Um, a little bit. Like, Tony Khan just gets excited about different things. Mm. When Punk and Danielson were coming in, and obviously he wanted opponents who could like do cool mirror matches, mentor, protege stuff. He got really high on Garcia and Utah around that time. Yeah. And fish and stuff like that. Um then he likes he just gets things that he likes. <laughs> this year he got um post receder hall PWG pilled with his love of the luchador. Yeah. But that like luchador, uh, lucha libre is a very like sort of expansive Form much like you know all of wrestling is, and there's sub stylistic genres within it. He likes this particular version. Um, I really like it when it's done fantastically well. I don't know if it's just my North American slash puro wired brain, but when I see it, a diminished return or an overambitious match of that type, I don't know. I try to get around it because I do try to be really open minded when I watch wrestling. But it does register as, why are you doing an incredibly precarious barricade walk to do a move? If you could do it on the ropes, great, do that. Don't do it on barricade just to show off a bit. 
Um, we'll see how good Pac is. Mm. Probably he's awesome. Yes. Um, because at this stage in his career, gravity needs the um needs to be carried to an extent, or he needs to be guided. Um, guided, yeah, that's he, that's the nicer way of yeah. putting it. Um, patrol. Um, I it's one of those where a lot of people, when they saw gravity appear on the death before dishonor, they went, <laughs> "What if he remembers Park?" And a lot of people, more people than that, did, said, "Don't do the joke, don't do the joke." And Tony Khan books the joke in a match on Dynamite. Well, it's ten friggin' minutes. It's fun. I need, I need to bloody wind my neck in sometimes. <laughs> You're gonna see this really exciting match. That's cute. Yeah, we'll be raving about it tomorrow. Ten minutes of my friggin' time. That's not as friggin' precious as I make out. Follow me on X at M Sidgwick. I really want to see if uh, Tony Khan's the same at Fulham. And they're like, we really need uh, a new striker. Mitrovic might be going to, to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Tony Khan's like, I've signed six strikers. What have you done, Tony? Yeah. Well, I liked all of them, so I signed all of them. <laughs> well, anyway, let us know your thoughts ahead of AW Dynamite tonight on X. Uh, you can follow X. <laughs> Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. As uh, Sidge mentioned earlier, you can check out our NXT review right now. And me and Sidge will be back tomorrow to review AEW Dynamite. But for now, this has been the AEW Dynamite preview. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you again to David Esposito for his lovely email. And I'm glad that his son wasn't horrifically scarred by watching Blood and Guts. <laughs> uh, but for now, as I said, this has been the preview for AW Dynamite. Thanks to Sage. Thank you for joining us and we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.